Well, children, I pulled the pulpit down here because today we have a sermon that begins with the word children. So I figured I would get right down here with you guys because half the sermon is going to be for the children and the other half is going to be for all the rest of us. How many in here, by raise of hands, how many of you are children? It's a trick question. Everybody in here is a child of somebody. Everybody in here is a child of somebody, unless you're Pastor Dom, in which case you came off an assembly line somewhere <laughs> up in Detroit. It was a weird governmental experiment that we're not going to talk about um, here. But uh, let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. And then we're going to talk, we're going to have a sermon that really does have two parts. And the first half is for you kiddos, for children, children, little children, children who still live in their parents' homes and need their parents and so forth. And then the second half of the sermon is for all the rest of us children. Fair enough, kiddos? Okay, so I wanted to get down here nice and close to you guys so I could talk to you. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We will cover verses 1 through 3, and after I get back from the recruitment trip, we'll settle in on verses 4 and following. But let's pray. And then we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak into the lives of our children and our parents and our obligations as children. May we all gather around this text, for it is something we all need to hear. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Children, I have a little story for you I want to tell. When I was in the sixth grade, I went to a public school. And every day I would go to school at nine and we would get out at four and I would walk back and forth from school. But some days, children, some days, they had an intercom. And over the intercom, the secretary of the school would speak and would call children out of the class. Sometimes it was because the child had to go to a doctor's appointment or something like that. But every once and again, my dad would show up at school early and take me out of school early, and we would go do something fun. Not that school is not fun, children. Isn't school fun? Nod your heads. Yes. Okay. But something even more fun than school. Okay? Well, one day, that happened. The intercom came to life. The secretary said, we need Greg Baker to come to the office. He's leaving for the day. His father is here to pick him up. Well, I knew that I didn't have a, an appointment, so I knew we were going to go do something really fun. Gathered my stuff. Jumped into the car with my dad. My dad said, let's go home, and then we're going to go to the batting cages. Now, I loved going to the batting cages. Drove up to the house, and as we opened the garage door, something was amiss. The fire alarm in the house was blaring. Boop, 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 boop. As we walked upstairs, things started to get a little smelly 
and a little smoky. Right above the stovetop, there was a circle the exact size of one of the burners above the stove that had turned brown and was smoking. The mustard bottle and some other things near the stove had melted and started to ooze funny-looking liquid. Well, it didn't take long to figure out what had happened. You see, here's what had happened, children. My mom had to leave for work just a few minutes before I would walk outside to catch the school bus. And I was instructed never to turn the stove on. But then, as now, I like a hot breakfast. So I decided I'll just cook myself up a little hot breakfast. And I did. I made a ham and egg omelet. Oh, I remember. And it was delicious. But I was disobeying my mom and dad in doing that. And I forgot to turn the stove off. And I almost burned the house down. Now, do you know what my punishment was, children? Would you like to know what my punishment was? And I, got, I feel like I got off easy, okay? I'm just going to tell you the truth. I had to write this. I will obey my mother and my father the first time every time. I will obey my mother and my father the first time every time. Now, children, how many times do you think I had to write that? Charlotte? More than 10. Another child? Gracie? How many lots of times? Anybody want to guess? Hannah? More than 12. Schaefer? Children, what if I told you, Timmy? Go ahead. A hundred? Children, what if I told you I had to write, I will obey my mother and my father the first time every time, 1,000 times? <laughs> I got off easy. It was only a thousand times. <laughs> and I filled up a college-ruled notebook with, I will obey my mother and my father the first time every time. I will obey my mother and my father the first time every time. Well, children, we have right here in the Bible, children, obey your parents. So let's talk about, while I had to write that a thousand times, it wasn't quite scripture, but it was pretty close, wasn't it? So children, let's see what the Apostle Paul has to say to you. He says, children... Obey your parents. And right here on the screen, even if you can't read, I want you to know that, children, this is right now obedience. Right now obedience. It's what we would call a present tense command. Be obeying your parents right now. How many times when your parents ask you to do something, you say this, you say, wait a minute, or you simply pretend that you didn't hear them. Did we, do, do any of you ever do that trick that I did when I was a kid? I just pretended I didn't hear. No, no. Paul says, right now, children, right now, obey your parents. Be obeying. It's a present tense command. Children, this is your role in the home, to be obeying. The second thing I have on the screen for you is that you are to obey in a listening way. The Greek word obey has the word listen in it, okay? So in other words, if, if you... Now, I don't suggest, children, that you do this, though it would be funny if Robbie Ganino did this, okay? All day long, he has his hand to his, his ear like this, and he's walking around the house actively listening for what his mom might 
say. It's an active type of listening. Be listening, be hearing, be obeying right now. Children, we should always be attentive to what our parents want to tell us. Now, children, this is important that you do this because imagine this scenario. Imagine my little baby Joel, my, my two-year-old Jolie, and he's, he's running to the top of our yard where the street is and the cars are going by very fast. What if I saw him running to the street and I said, Joel, stop! Because a car was coming. What if Joel turned around and went, nah, nah, I'm not going to obey, and kept running into the street? Would that be for his safety or for his harm? Yeah. Now, am I, am I telling him to stop because I love him or because I hate him? Because I love him. I don't want harm to come his way. So children, when your parents, especially godly parents that I know you have, when they shout out to you, or when they give you a command, when they ask you to obey, it's to help you. It's not to hurt you. And children need to be obeying immediately, be obeying right now, and you need to be obeying. Now, children, everybody show me how you're supposed to be obeying. Ready? Do it with me. Ready? You're supposed to be listening like how? Like this? Okay, ready? Let's do that. Ready, children? How do we obey? We obey like this. Listening. Good, good. The third thing I want you to notice is that we're to obey in a godly way. It says to obey children in the Lord. Now, we're not exactly sure what that means. It could mean a lot of different things. It could mean obey as the Lord Jesus Christ obeyed. It could mean when he was a child. It could mean obey for the glory of the Lord. It could mean um, obey in the power of the Lord. I think it probably means all of those things all at once. In other words, because you have Christian parents and you're being raised in a Christian home, you have a higher obligation not just to obey parents, but to obey your parents because the Lord is asking you to. Okay? Now, children, raise your hand if your mom and dad are sinners. Okay, raise your hand if your mom and dad are sinners. Okay, Timmy's not sure. He's on the fence. Okay, Timmy, you're, I'm going to break it to you kindly. Your parents are sinners, okay? I know. It's a bit of a shock, okay? Now, now children, are we obligated, do, do we have to obey only sinless parents? No. Do our parents earn our obedience? No. We obey our parents because God is asking us to obey our parents. Okay? God is asking us. Now, children, also it says, in the Lord, there are limits. If your parents ever ask you, for example, to lie, you can't do that because you obey the Lord more than you obey your parents. If your parents ever ask you to steal something, and this happens at Christmas especially, all over our country, parents send children out to steal packages that aren't theirs because they know that nobody will stop a child. If a parent ever asks you to do anything that's obviously wrong, we obey our mom and dad in the Lord. So we have a higher obligation to obey the Lord 
even if our parents are asking us to do something wrong. Does that that make sense, children? But I know your parents, and I know they're godly, and I know they're not going to ask you to do that. But just in case, we only obey in the Lord. We obey because of the Lord. We obey to the Lord. Now, number four, it says that we are to obey rightly. Obedience is righteous, for it is worship. We Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Did you know, children, that when you obey, you're actually worshiping God? You're saying, God, thank you for my parents. God, I trust you. God, I want to live for you. God, you're enough for me, and you know best for my life. So I am going to give myself to these parents that you've given me. And when you obey that way, God is pleased. He's being worshipped. He loves that. Okay? Now, children, I have up here seven things on the screen. I'm going to go through them very quickly. Seven reasons we disobey. Seven reasons we disobey. Because we are, okay, children, obey your parents. Why is it that sometimes you don't? Why is it sometimes you don't? Well, how about this? Do you remember Greedy Aiken from Joshua chapter 7? He was told not to take any of the clothing, not to take any of the gold, not to take anything. But he saw some women's clothing and he wanted to give his wife a gift. He saw some gold. And he was greedy. He was supposed to give it to God, but he took it. Children, how many of you have gotten in a fight with your brother and sister because they took the place on the couch that you wanted to have? Anybody? How many of you have gotten into a bit of an argument with your brother and sister because they took the bigger cookie? Okay, anybody? Anybody got it because they took the bigger cookie or the bigger piece of pie or the place in the car that you wanted to be? Sometimes greed makes us disobey, doesn't it? We have to run from that. Or prideful Lot. Sometimes we think we know better. Lot was a man who always thought he knew better. The angel said, get up and go. He goes, no, we can't. It's too far. And they say, get up and go. And Lot says, we'll die there. And they say, no, you won't. Get up and go. And Lot says, oh, I'm too old and slow. Sometimes, like I did with breakfast that morning, I thought I knew better. The way of a fool, children, is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who hears, who heeds. Okay? You don't know better than your parents, I'm telling you. Okay? So don't believe that pride. Number three. Number three. You know what else makes us disobey? Anger. Do you ever get angry because your sibling got something that you wanted? Your sibling did something really good, and you didn't? That was Cain. He got angry with his brother Abel. And he disobeyed because he was angry. He was angry. Anger sometimes makes us disobey. Or how about this? The prodigal son, he just wanted to have fun. How many of you, it's time to come inside? It's a nice summer day. It's time to come inside for dinner, but you're having fun playing. Your mom says, come in, it's time to eat. And you say, oh, but I'm having so much fun. Anybody? Is that anybody? Oh, yes. I know. Listen. We have to listen and obey our moms and dads, even if it's fun. The prodigal son was a boy who never got over that, and it really cost him. Okay? Or 
Did you know there's another one? The prodigal son had a brother, and he was filled with self-pity. His father said, come in to the party. And the brother said this. Children, he goes like this. He goes, you never gave me a party with my friends. Oh, woe is me. I'm so pathetic. I don't have to obey because I feel sorry for myself. Now, none of you ever feel sorry for yourselves, right? But sometimes that's what, the, that's what happens, and it's the reason we disobey. Or how about this? Aaron, he got pressured by friends. His friends came to him and said, we don't know what happened to Moses. You make a God for us. And he said, okay, and he caved to the peer pressure. Children, have you ever had friends that have wanted you to do something you know that your parents wouldn't want you to do? We need to obey our parents even when our friends say it's okay. Let me actually back up on that. We need to obey our parents, especially when our friends tell us that it's okay. Okay? And then last, sometimes we forget. How many of you, your parents have given you something to do? They come and they say, why didn't you obey? And what do you say? I'm sure Jonathan Ganino has never said this. I'm sure he has never said, oh, I forgot. That is no excuse. In fact, one of our rhymes, we haven't had it yet, but I have a rhyme already. It's ours for remembering what mom and dad might say. Always thinking, always hearing helps me to obey. Okay? It's not your parents' job to remember for you. It's your job to remember for you. And the type of obedience that cups your hand to your ear and listens also remembers. Okay? Now, children, last thought, okay, before I transition to your parents. Last thought. Guys, is it easy to obey? Gracie, is it easy to obey? No! No, it is not easy to obey. Timmy, is it easy to obey all the time? No. What do you need to obey? You need something called grace. You need God's grace in your heart. You need not only to ask Jesus to save you from your sins, and that is grace. You need the Spirit of God to come inside of you and help you to obey your parents. Because we're sinners and they're sinners. And we need God to help us by His grace and by His Spirit to obey our mom and dad. You can't do it on your own. You will be frustrated in this. You will get angry like Cain. You will get forgetful like Israel. You will get envious and covetous like Achan. But by God's grace, with his help, you can start to learn to obey God by obeying your parents. Fair enough, everybody? Come under the Lord in faith. And he'll start empowering you. He'll start helping you to obey your mom and dad. All right, children, are you glad now that I'm about to be done talking to you? Are you glad now? Schaefer, are you glad? No? Yes? Okay, I can tell. Yes, he's very glad, okay? All right, now, parents, let's transition a little bit. Children, honor your parents. This is for everybody, whereas this first verse Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, the Apostle Paul is going to transition to everybody. Clearly, the word that Paul uses for child is technon. It's 
It's the word used for a kid who's under the authority of his parents. He, he's not capable or she's not capable yet of living out on their own. At what point do we transition from being obligated to obey to the obligation to honor? Because before it's obey and honor, and then after it's honor. Well, it's, we don't always know, but one, one is certain. One, there is one marker that's certain, and that's marriage. The Apostle Paul says, right, says earlier in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, that we leave our father and our mother, and we become one with our spouse. And whatever else, whatever other markers we put in there, this is a for sure one. When you're married and you're out on your own, your obligation towards your parents shifts from the day-to-day obedience that we have to honoring. Now, I want us to notice that this is a universally applicable command because we're all children. We're all children. We leave our father and our mother. Number two, this is both internal and external. So let me ask you a question. What Everybody's obligated to do this. What obligations do we have to honor our mother and our father? What, is that, what does that mean? Well, it begins in the heart. It's internal. We have here John 5, 22 and 23. Jesus says that I honor my father and my father honors me. This was an honoring that was somewhat unseen. Jesus was upholding the Lord. He was preaching the Lord. But all of this was in the spiritual realm. We honor our parents by speaking honorably of them, by doing our best to think honorably of them. And I think it must be said, we tend to get more merciful toward our parents the older we get, don't we? You know, I think about my own child-rearing and how hard it is to raise a child from cradle to 18 without, without some disaster befalling them. And I think, well, that's not easy. It's not easy. And it's a cliche, but it's true. They don't come with an instruction manual. So be kind and gracious to your parents. Try to understand the pressures that they face. Try to get inside their thoughts and convictions. For those of us 40s and under, we need to understand something. We live in a different culture where weaknesses are freely shared. My parents' generation did not do that. They don't talk about their weaknesses. And it's very likely that your parents were running from some demons that, have, that if you knew, you would feel a great bit more sympathy for them. They're there, they just don't talk about them. And that's okay, that's, that's, the, that's the culture. I'm not trying to change that culture. I'm just saying, if you see things that don't quite line up, understand that and have great empathy for it and assume that that was the case. Assume that was the case. This is how honor begins to build up in our hearts. When, when things, as you've raised your children, you understand that 
from their perspective, things don't always line up because they don't have the whole story. And so I would suggest that you cut your parents the same slack and know that you don't have the whole story either. And that's okay. And so honor them that way by loving them and believing all things and hoping all things and enduring all things. It's, and this is actually the bigger part of the Greek word, by the way. Honoring our parents is external. I have up here 1 Timothy 5, verses 3 and following. Paul says that if there is a widow in your church who is truly a widow, then she can take the benevolence funds from the church. But if she has children, let them honor her. Jesus says it this way. You Pharisees have a way of getting around the law. The law says honor your mother and your father, but when they reach their golden years, you withhold from them your finances, calling it a gift to God. And by your traditions, you undercut your obligation to honor your mother and your father with your substance. Okay? We've had many folks in our church here who, model, who have modeled this so amazingly. They've been caregivers for parents. That is honoring, deeply honoring. And as I've pastored you through this caregiving, especially end-of-life caregiving, it's a marvel to me to watch, to have watched and witnessed the grace of God in your hearts as you pour your time and your substance and your soul into honoring your parents with material effort whether it be a place in your house or finances or time or whatever it might be. And we who are a little younger and our parents have not reached that age yet, we must be bound and determined that when our parents do reach that age, we will be people they can rely on. We will honor them and we will demonstrate how we will honor them that way by how we honor them now. Honoring is, in the New Testament, primarily external, so you know. And that obligation rests on us all our days to honor our mother and our father. Now, we do this because it's a reflection of God. God, what, what is true religion? It's caring for those in need. And especially when our moms and dads are in need. I was thinking about this the other day. I've had, I have five children. I have, n- I've, I, I have no ability to count the number of dirty diapers I have changed. Okay? So, I would say they're in my debt. Okay? <laughs> and maybe one day when they're caring for me and they're just about tired of meeting my needs... Maybe, maybe I will resurrect the number of dirty diapers I've changed over the years and say, hey, you're, you're not even close, pal. And I will probably, probably wouldn't say it that way. Um, hopefully, hopefully I, I'll say it much nicer than that. But we need to remember the sacrifice that our parents went through and allow that to fuel how we honor them moving forward. 
Honoring is primarily external. And then third, I found in talking with people that this core conviction, by the way, Paul is quoting the Old Testament here. He's actually quoting Deuteronomy. You will live long in the land. There's reward for you. How many of us think caring for our parents will actually put us behind? And God says it's quite the opposite. When you care and honor your parents, there you find security and safety and longevity in the land. Even though temporarily it looks like you're getting behind, you now have God fighting for you, and you're actually getting ahead and more secure. That's Paul's point. You can live long in the land. There's, don't, don't give in to the temptation of the now. Look ahead and look and see what God can do for you. But I've also found that having this as a priority, honor mom and dad, is a huge help when there's family strife. Because sometimes siblings can sort of get at each other, can't they? As can cousins and extended family and so forth. And when you're sitting back trying to decide what to do, you don't want to appear to take sides, but at the same time, people are pushing you to a side. How do you decide what to do? If you have as your bedrock conviction, I am going to honor mom and dad, that tends to offer a lot of clarity on how to handle that family drama. Mom and dad aren't asking me to sin. They're asking me to do this. Well, that's, that's where I stand. I stand with mom and dad. And just that basic obligation, just that basic bedrock principle will deliver you from a lot of drama. And so that can help you. Now, sometimes moms and dads are divided. So which one do I go with? Honor the one who is not totally righteous, but the one who is more. The one who is following God. Go with that one, and that will deliver you from a lot of turmoil. It's not foolproof but it certainly will get you farther down the road. Now, I have some applications. I have some applications. Three of them. Number one, our children, uh, by the way, let me just say very quickly, I'm going to offer some applications here. I am not a parenting expert, and I don't pretend to be. I'm a fool when it comes to raising children. I, I have a 13-year-old. He's my oldest. Um, I, I have not... I've not gone through the teenage years. I've not gone through the early adult years. So please, please accept this as from an inexperienced person who's trying to rely only on Scripture, okay? And I'm, I'm saying this as a we, not a you, okay? So first thing, we, our children, learn obedience primarily through observation, Okay? And we should expect that kids will struggle to obey hypocrites. So I need to be a man who follows the Lord. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up. And when I do, I, I try to apologize to my kids. And I think my kids will attest. Every one of them has had dad come and apologize to them at some point. 
kids can be very forgiving for mistakes, but when you put your sin on them and make it their fault, that's hypocrisy. When you cover it over and say it was righteousness or you just ignore certain parts of your character, that's hypocrisy. I have here 1 Kings 12, verses 1 through 15. The king Rehoboam, he lived under Solomon, the wisest man who'd ever lived. And Solomon, we have to say, was a hypocrite. And when a decisive moment in Rehoboam's life came, he went with the excesses of his father, not with the godliness. His dad was a man who was godly and worldly. And when this boy came to a crossroad, he chose worldly. And it cost him. If we want our children to learn to obey us, they need to see how we obey the Lord. How we obey the Lord. And that's primary. Number two. We parents must learn how to lovingly but firmly insist on obedience. We allow our children to ignore us. If we allow our children to disobey us, they're going to get the picture that obedience is optional. Now, I'm going to pass along. This is, this is passed along advice, okay? I, I will never forget the advice. It was in one of our pre-marriage counseling sessions, our pastor talked to us about when children come along. He said, it was one of the few things that I remembered from that session. It was very good. He said, now when you guys become parents, here's what's going to happen. That child comes with a will, okay? Um, and there's going to come a moment where you ask them to do something that you know they understand. And they're going to bow their back up and say no. And when that happens, and it will happen, you have to win. I didn't, and he gave an illustration. He asked his son to hand him the shampoo when they were giving it back. They'd done it a hundred times. And the child said no. And so the dad said, hand me the shampoo. And they had this standoff for Danielle, do you remember how long they said they had this standoff for? It was, didn't it last into the hours? It was, it was an hours-long standoff until finally the child reached his hand out and took the shampoo and handed it to his dad. Now, that child was a stubborn child, okay? He is my friend now, and he is still stubborn, okay? But I want you to know, and I'm sure all you parents can attest, every one of my children has pulled a stunt like that, okay? I'm not going to tell you what theirs was, <laughs> okay? But, but parents, if, if I could give you the advice that I got and pass that along, how important that is in that moment to win. You're not winning for you. Okay, you're not winning for you. What you're showing them is just like God, there is somebody who means what they say. Okay? 
And God means what he says. We represent God in this relationship. And if they get the impression that mom and dad don't mean what they say, then maybe God doesn't mean what God says. Now, we're loving, we're kind, we're gracious, but we need to be firm and represent God well by insisting on obedience. Okay? Now, again, I am a, I, I am a novice. My kids have not gone through the teenage years. I, I'm, I'm giving all of those caveats. This is something that my wife and I are continuing to work at. Okay? And last, this is for everybody else. Let's be mindful of parents with young children to be a blessing to them. Okay? God did a grace for us when he brought along our fifth. Um, I was in my 40s, 42, I think, when Joel was born. And I had already started to do that grouchy old person thing and forget how hard it is to have newborns in the house. And at 42, I was suddenly struck with the reminder that newborns are not easy. <laughs> and if I, could, if I could impress on everybody else here to be a blessing to our young parents, and we've got several, okay? Help them out. Be kind to them. Give them a date night. Offer something. These are, these, are, these are challenging times, and I would invite you to remember what it was like to have the newborn who wouldn't go to sleep. I would invite you to remember what it was like to have a newborn that doesn't take the food that you have. I'd invite you to remember what it's like to have a newborn who blows out their diaper in the car seat the first 20 minutes of a seven-hour drive. Okay? Please remember those things, and as you observe our parents with young children, be a blessing to them. I know they're doing their best, and like you, they're kind of making it up as they go. They're trying hard. Just like you experience, those babies don't come with the instruction manual. So be kind to them, be a blessing to them, help them. And this is a way we can rally as a church together to be a blessing to one another. Fair enough, everybody? Children, show me how you're supposed to obey. Ready? Everybody? Okay, excellent job. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this text of Scripture. I pray that we would be grace-filled and mercy-filled. I pray that we would exemplify with our parenting and with the way we honor our parents and obey our parents. I pray that we would pattern those actions after the way that you, a father who pities his children, grace us with good things. Lord, you... You've sent your son to die for us. You, you paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. So may we pattern our relationships, both with parents and children, after this divine economy that is so instructive to us. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.